Welcome to the Real Estate Tech Insider Podcast, where we focus on innovation and technology in commercial real estate development. Your hosts are John Pugh and Rachel Walters. This podcast is produced by Push Through Media. Hey, everybody. This is John Pugh here with the Real Estate Tech Insider podcast. Excited to have you here with Rachel Walters. And we are going to be doing kind of a part two introduction where we're going to have a conversation with Rachel and interview her. I'm going to interview her and ask her some questions about her experience and where things are going in terms of what she's been seeing over the last five or so years in technology. And then also just uh, hear more about her thoughts about the show and kind of where she wants to take it with us. So Rachel, so here we are again. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and kind of your story. Maybe you could tell us kind of how you've come to where you are today from your beginnings. So I think starting very early is that I've always had an interest in real estate. I think like a lot of women in commercial real estate, you know, my family was in residential. So I had my New York license at 18. And the only reason I bring this up is that I feel like my life path could have been a little different. No regrets. But now the university I went to has undergrad real estate degrees, has real estate clubs. And I think that's such a better opportunity because I just didn't really know about property management, about leasing, about really commercial real estate, even though I had this interest in real estate and had my license. So that's the first place to start. So I kind of meandered around working in advertising, experiential events, which all actually seems to play out later and be always you know, a great experience. So once I was doing a little more research and realized I could do marketing in commercial real estate, But of course, this was coming out of the recession, so I didn't really understand the market. I was very fortunate to land with a startup, although they don't call themselves that, a new commercial real estate company development that had worked on stalled projects in Boston. So they were really focused on adding a marketing component, even though we were very, very early. And so that gave me a lot of aspects into construction, the AEC industry, development, placemaking, community, understanding the pre-construction and development process in Boston. So it's learned so much from that role. But I always knew I couldn't find my place in commercial real estate. And so I stuck with marketing, knowing that it was a place that I could bring in some innovation. We couldn't just do it the way it's always been done because you know, marketing changes so frequently. And so I liked that aspect of marketing that I was adding something new to the development process and leasing process. And when I first went to my first real estate tech conference, this is when I realized like, yes, this is my place. I wanted to learn more, learn about the players, the thought leadership. To me, it was an extremely interesting area of commercial real estate. And so I had the opportunity to work with a tech company to help them bridge the gap and understand commercial real estate. And since then, I've just been, you know, having a foot in commercial real estate and a foot in technology and really trying to bring both industries together. And right now I'm working as a consultant for growth and strategies for startups or for traditional commercial real estate. 
You mentioned a conference kind of, maybe you could tell a little bit more, expand on that story a little bit more. I'm curious kind of when was that conference and what was it about that experience that really kind of made you come to that realization? Yeah. So the conference was Disrupt CRE with Marielle, one of the very early commercial real estate tech conferences. It was in Boston at the Hatch. (laughs) Who was that sponsored by? Was that an MIT thing? I think it was, right? I don't know if it was at that point. Samuels hosted it. I'm not sure, but they've had a lot of different sponsors since then. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a while ago. But they had a panel of commercial real estate thought leaders sharing some of the technologies they use. But what was really interesting is they had, and everyone should use this idea, they had like a 30-second window where all the startups who were presenting there would give their elevator pitch. And then later they would be at their table so people could go speak to them. So it was just really great to see the breadth of leasing technology, property management technology. I mean, it was just so great. And it was really eye-opening to just a world that I didn't know about. And since then, I really have been going to a lot of these conferences because the panels are so interesting and to know what technology is out there. And sometimes it is very hard to adapt in commercial real estate, but at least knowing the goal or at least knowing the future, knowing some case studies, all these conferences have really, in my opinion, really brought out the growth in commercial real estate technology and innovation. Before we get into the technology piece a little bit more, Maybe you could just speak more to what was the draw in terms of the commercial real estate industry? What about commercial real estate? It sounds like you kind of fell into it and then you learned more about it. Do you already have a feeling that this was really where you wanted to be? What's the thing that attracted you and has kind of kept you engaged? So real estate has always interested me. Residential, a little, residential sales, a little bit less. And so when I was working as a residential agent in the summers of college. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) But I worked with foreclosures, which is... Okay. Not as much fun. (laughs) But it, it actually ended up being because I had spent so many years with my dad. He had investment properties and he is a real estate residential flipper. And so I was just used to seeing smelly homes, mold... You know, and so when I would show a house and someone would complain about the wallpaper or the (laughs) paint on the wall, even as like an 18 year old in college, I would just say, what is wrong with these people? And so (laughs) right now with a lot of residential changing, I think it just doesn't fit my personality. But when I started to work with investors and that part started to interest me more is that's who the type of people I wanted to work with, people who had a vision not just people who are looking at move-in ready space and how are they going to decorate. So that's really where it started. And seeing the construction and the floor layout changes of residential and you know how that can be lucrative. So on the commercial side, the projects I worked on are pretty amazing. And so to just be so involved in a community and where people are going to work, you know, eat, work, live, what is it? Work, live, play. play. Yeah. So overrated cliche, but it's true. And so that's when I really fell in love. And when you start working with, at that level, the architects and the engineers, and I mean, it is really catchy and you get to walk through the construction sites and there's just so much to learn. Also, you don't even realize, especially when you're working on large mixed use projects. So that's really where 
I wanted to stay. And just a real quick story is that I did try to leave commercial real estate because I thought I wanted something more creative. But, you know, I was always following developments and what's being built and how neighborhoods are changing. So, you know, I was sucked back in. So I needed to find my place in commercial real estate. Interesting. I I guess I didn't realize that happened. Uh, Just for the listeners that don't know you, can you maybe just touch on those larger projects that you mentioned that you were involved with? Sure. So in Boston, my first baby was North Point, which is now Cambridge Crossings, I believe. And I worked on the government center garage redevelopment. I worked for a short time on the Suffolk Downs redevelopment. All of those are in the greater Boston area and are very large. Yeah. North Point was that that's 25 acres, something like that. 44. 44 acres. It depends on what time you're talking about because it had been cut off a certain couple of times, you know, and then like pieces had been sold off. And yeah, but it touched Boston, Cambridge and Somerville, which is pretty amazing. And then yeah, Suffolk Downs is over 100 acres in East Boston and in Revere. Oh, but also one more. Then I was very lucky in Miami to work on a 5 million square foot mixed use Brickle City Center from Swire Properties out of Hong Kong. So I got to see some pretty awesome developments. Yeah. And when you're working on developments of that scale, and you mentioned the quality of the people on the team and the experiences on the, you know, those people on the team is pretty mind-blowing. It's pretty awesome because you're working with the best of the best, right? You're not working with a cut-rate contractors. <laughs> yeah. Some big budgets, big marketing budgets. <laughs> yeah. Very big marketing budgets. And I think And you mentioned the point about a vision, right? Those types of projects have to have a very strong vision because at that scale, if you don't, then nobody's going to buy into it. And there's a a lot to kind of selling that vision, uh, both in the community and obviously the tenants as well, right? Can you talk about kind of that being drawn back into commercial real estate? That sounds like an interesting story. Were you working in technology at that point? What were you doing? Were you back in the advertising? Yeah, I was back into marketing and advertising. But before that, I had traveled by myself. I didn't tell you this piece. I went to Spain, Dubai, and then I spent a month in Southeast Asia without a plan, just a flight in and out. I ended up spending most of it in Thailand, a couple days in Cambodia, and a couple days in Malaysia. But you know, when I was in Malaysia, I was just so excited to be back in a city. And when I'm walking around the malls, you know, all I could think about was... <laughs> the construction and the placemaking. And interesting enough, when I worked on the project in Miami, because the developer was from Hong Kong, they would talk about, you know, their retail portfolio and how it's different in the APAC region. And I could use my travels to understand how that is different than America. But, you know, like my newsfeed would be the real deal or biz now. So I think I've always been trying to keep real estate, but I'm just not the type of person, even though I know this is where the money is, to just stare at Excel sheets and pro formas. Like, I want to be out in the community and urban policy and, and placemaking is very interesting to me. And so I always wanted to see how I could merge commercial real estate and creativity. And, you know, not all companies, you know, we were very lucky, but not all companies prioritize marketing or even find it interesting. And they sometimes are. There's not a lot of opportunities or some companies for the longest time didn't even have a marketing person. 
And, you know, we've also talked about brokerage, how there's a lot of marketing opportunities there. So I've always been trying to find a way to keep this interest in commercial real estate, but find a more creative out in the community space. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think your point about the developing, let's call it the developing world, I think is the right term at this point. And in certainly parts of Asia, Southeast Asia, where there's extremely large scale projects that are millions and millions of square feet that are transformative for some of those cities and how different some of those projects in Dubai, for that matter, how different they are relative to what's happened in the United States. And there's been large developments, certainly in the last 10 years in the United States. But the difference in scale can mean a lot in terms of placemaking. And, it's, and just having that as a reference, why I've traveled as well in some of those areas and in Europe and other places. And I think having some of that international experience really helps when you're either coming up with a concept or you're trying to refine a concept for the development of a mixed-use center. So that's great. So can you maybe talk a little bit more about the technology side? I think you had said that there was a moment. Maybe speak a little bit more about that moment in terms of the technology piece. You sp- spoke about that specific thing, but maybe speak a little bit more about how you've seen technology evolve, especially in marketing. I'm really curious about that. In marketing and some of these larger projects you've worked on, have you seen technology really evolve significantly in marketing in the last 10 years? I assume you have and love to hear more about that, kind of where things were when you first started and kind of where they are now. So I think that I was one of the first (laughs) people to put a real estate development on social media, on Twitter, on a blog. And it actually helped when we were touring tech tenants for North Point, because again, like showing the vision. So when a company comes and they are asking, where are their employees going? How are they going to get there? And you're showcasing the public transportation. I was actually showcasing the biking abilities. I really wanted to show that there was life in the area. I actually, I lived in the area. And so, you know, we talked on the previous episode that placemaking is really important. And so if you're looking for class A office, you have some options and people are courting you basically. But if you're in pre-construction or in development still, how do you showcase what life is going to be there, whether it's living or working. So we were very lucky to have, like I said, a large marketing budget. And so we had some of the best resources. So our architects would, you know, if we needed to change something for a pitch for a tenant, if we needed 3D renderings, like anything that was needed, we had access to, we created videos with renderings. What year was this? So I've worked there twice But when I was doing social media and trying to involve the community and I met so many people in the community and we were one of the first, that was in 2010 or 2011. Wow. And back then I could name all of the developments in Boston because (laughs) there were many many, and now there's so many, which is great. And they all have amazing branding. And, but I had access to all, like I said, all these technologies. And then also in Miami, like a, a very large budget. And when I went to work for a brokerage for a little bit, I very quickly saw that what we we were sending out emails, like it's just the lowest form (laughs) to me of marketing and doing the same things. And so it kind of took me till right now and, you know, going into 2024 at the end of 2023 to realize that 
so I, you know, we can go back and talk about all the other technologies I've seen, but in terms of marketing, I've realized that, you know, a lot of these technologies and marketing and even the marketing firms are geared towards this class A office, these build to suit, these developments, which are, you know, they're going to slow for a little bit. And so it would be amazing to start to see more of these class B, some of the brokers start to use technology. And for also the technology companies that are geared towards commercial real estate to start making these a little bit more, like to democratize it a little bit and to not just have these technologies and marketing technologies for class A office. Like we really need brokers outside of central business districts or the class B office, or, you know, people might be on pause right now or have some more time on their hands. And it would be really great to start to see, you know, some of this amazing technology and marketing that I had resources and, you know, that I could use, but start to see that, you know, in other markets. This episode is sponsored by Pew Investments. Pew Investments focuses on investing in real estate-related technology companies. Visit our website at pew.investments to learn more. I mean, one example, just releasing a newsletter tomorrow on this, but we spent some time looking at generative AI. And generative AI, for a long time, wasn't really useful. But it's gotten to a point where, at least for the written copy, right, you can use generative AI to create some pretty good copy that can be used for marketing brochures or web copy or blog posts. And so that's a simple example, but that alone is time, right? And quality of a product, an end product, right? That ends up translating into a better communication, better publicity for that particular development, whoever might choose to use those sorts of things. So it's interesting to see, like like you were saying at the end of 2023 and early 24 now, there are some technologies now that are, they're free and they're just, they're available and more people have access to them. And I'm super excited to see kind of where things go. But a lot of the technologies I'm assuming, other than social media that you were using at the time, were they CRM related? Were they communication, like constant contact, like MailChimp, things like that? Because that's that's the kind of stuff that I think everybody used for a while. But other than those types of technologies, were there were there any other kind of notable technologies that you worked with that you were particularly interested in or thought did a great job? Well, just in general, the expense of paying an architect. And listen, I love architects and they are underpaid. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not I don't want to get rid of their jobs, but I want them to focus on the renderings are very expensive though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, I want them to focus on some more important things and not to be in the office 24 hours. But I had access before if we wanted to put a logo on a building or we wanted to change some people in a rendering, we had access to an individual architect to do that and it would take their time. But now that smaller developers can create these renderings less expensive, quicker. You know, there's a company that I work with that can create entire digitized buildings. So the whole entire building can be 3D rendered, which before we could only use if we were, you know, building a million square foot class A office that we could afford that. And it would take a long time. But now that smaller developers have access to that, that it's quicker, less expensive. It may not be at that quality, but it's a very good quality. So 
I love seeing that trickle down, that more investors and more developers have those options. You're reminding me of my time when I was working in Paris. We were working at Architectonica. We were working on this development. It was in Monaco. It was creation of a peninsula in Monaco because there wasn't enough land. Anyways, but I spent four days on like three renderings the whole day, three days. And it was just one of those things where I remember thinking like, we probably had like, I don't know, six people working on this project full time. And obviously there were more that would help out when necessary, but that costs a lot of money. And so now that there's some technologies and there's also offshoring, there's people doing things in other places, you know, India uh, and, and Vietnam and Philippines as exa- examples. So there are there, some of that is not that's not necessarily technology. Well, technology allows us to communicate better with other parts of the world, uh, which allows for better offshoring. But yeah, those are meaningful things, uh, especially in terms of cost in general. Can you talk a little bit more? I'm kind of curious to hear more about the Boston built tech community where that came from, how they come about and how it's evolved. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, especially now coming out of COVID, it seems to be in demand. So when I was going to all these conferences, which I said, you know, I felt are extremely meaningful. So I was in Nashville (laughs) or I'd be in, you know, all these different national conferences in different cities and I would be talking to everyone from Boston (laughs) or I'd be listening to a panel from a commercial real estate leader from Boston. And so I just thought like, why are we not meeting together? Because a lot of these conferences were national and so they weren't necessarily held in Boston. And for most of the time, New York City was, you know, the capital of prop tech. And so I just wanted to shed a light on all the amazing things, both on the commercial real estate side and the technology side of Boston. And so I just wanted to bring people together. And there was somebody that had started this group and I just asked him if I could help him grow it. And it started before COVID as these small fireside chats, which were amazing because we had access to a developer and, you know, no cameras no press. And so they would just be very honest with their challenges and adapting technology. They would tell us what they want to see. It was just a really great community. So then COVID hit, obviously, and, you know, we tried to do some things on Slack and some webinars. But then after COVID, I wanted to see if there was still demand for getting together. And I think especially after COVID, there was a bigger demand and I think, you know, before COVID, I would see some of the traditional real estate organizations host more innovation technology panels. And I've seen less of that, which is sad. And I think also people do miss getting together. Like it's a great thing. You and I haven't met in person, but it can't be 24-7 that you're not with people. And then I will say also a thing that I'm pretty passionate about is bringing more awareness and opportunity and equality to commercial real estate. Like I said, I wasn't aware of all the careers that were in commercial real estate. And that's true, especially for some different communities that don't have their uncles and their fathers and their golf (laughs) pros in the commercial real estate. And so Boston Build Tech is free. Anybody that's interested, so you don't have to be a member, you don't even have to be in commercial real estate. Like I just want anybody that has some kind of interest touches the community. And then one last thing is that, like we've talked about in the past, is that the younger developers are starting to move up or starting their own companies. And to me, selfishly, if we can already get them 
being champions of technology and meeting with these startups, then that just means that as the commercial real estate industry continues to grow and these people start to lead these companies, there's going to be more diversity and there's going to be more diversity in backgrounds and hopefully more technology and innovation. Well, I think those are great points. I think as we were discussing earlier, the, the generational shift is definitely going to be meaningful for the adoption of technology. And I think your point about the Boston Build Tech community, like the need for access to more of these conversations for people of all different all different places and backgrounds, I think is super important because that's definitely something that's missing in commercial real estate. And I think part of it's because there's just a limited number of opportunities. You know, especially in the ownership and development space, right? There's only so many people that need to be on the payroll and that creates a limited number of opportunities, but it also creates kind of an insular world that doesn't have as much diversity, which can only enrich it, right? In terms of the number, the different types of voices and from different communities. So that's a great, a great point. And I think that's certainly an awesome objective for that. So maybe you could talk a little bit more as we're kind of wrapping. I'm curious kind of what motivated you to want to build this podcast? Kind of where where do you want to take our conversations? What are some things that are really exciting to you in terms of connecting and, and sharing some of these different ideas? Yeah. The first thing and part of diversity and equality is I have been starting to follow more people supporting women and different communities in investing. And so to hear you willing to share your journey, to talk about hardships, to talk about opportunities, you know, I think that's really meaningful to put out there. Also, the fact that some people are, you know, there are going to be some layoffs. And so I think people can really benefit from conversations with you and someone that's that open. So that's the first thing. And then the second is that, like I said, I've been, you know, really focused in this technology world, but a lot of it's for class A office and a lot of it is expensive. And, you know, I want to see more technologies that can make a bigger change. And I want to see more people have opportunities to commercial real estate. And so if someone hears the technology and the efficiency that you're using that has just never heard of it before, I think that's great. And I think you and I, you know, we may get to that point where we've talked about community, right? Like people who are like-minded, people who want to invest, people that have some of the same goals and ideas, and also have that innovation technology mindset. And so I am really excited to share information and to learn about these new opportunities that are going to come out in 2024 that people didn't really, they were just fine going to the office and working on these big developments. And, you know, now that that's changed a little bit, where are these new opportunities and new partnerships? So yeah, I'm excited for these conversations. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you said something that I really, that really resonates with me. And I think your point about creating the opportunity for people to connect with us, but also connect with the larger community is really important. And also kind of a message of hope in some sense, right? Because I I know I certainly receive, like everyone I've listened to podcasts for, I don't know, maybe the past, I guess it's probably seven, seven years or so, six or seven years at this point. And I was having a hard time at one point in my life. And I remember hearing a podcast and it was very inspiring and kind of helped me shift my mindset a little bit, right? In terms of, I was on the entrepreneurial journey and it was really meaningful. So if we can provide 
people with the belief that they can do more than maybe they think they can. I think that would be a super goal for us in terms of sharing information, but also providing an understanding that you don't have to necessarily come from a privileged position to have some amount of success within the larger commercial real estate sector. Yeah. And I think you and I are on the same mindset, especially since we haven't met in person and we were introduced as both you and I do know the power of relationships and connections and are super happy to be super connectors. And if we can help someone put together a deal or we can put together people that are going to benefit from each other, we don't need anything from that. But you know, that's part of something that we both feel strongly about building those relationships and making those connections for people. Absolutely. That's a huge benefit, I think, of being in the business world for the two of us. I think that's what we enjoy doing, right? I connected a couple of people just earlier today and hopefully it'll be beneficial for them. But I think in the end, it's about finding those connections, helping people in a way that where it's not necessarily transactional, right? I think that's the challenge, I think, for many people, especially when they're starting out in their careers, they look at networking as transactional and what can you give me and I give you? And so much of long-term relationship building, which is what I think we both really value, is uh, it's not about transactional. It's about helping and adding value to someone else's business or what they're trying to do because you know that it's the right thing to do, but it's also in the end, it's beneficial because you're creating goodwill that helps everybody. It helps the community. I think that's just a perspective that is great to be able to share with people, especially young people building their careers. Cool. So we're going to share, I think what would be great to do would be to share maybe a couple of links, some of the projects you worked on, the Boston Build Tech community, share a link there uh, in the show notes, and we'll make sure everybody gets connected. Yeah. Follow us on LinkedIn. That's right. Follow us on LinkedIn. We'll connect with you. We love to connect with people in the community. And even if you're just starting out, happy to connect and be part of your network. So I guess that's all for this particular episode. Let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to the Commercial Real Estate Tech Insider. We are privileged to have you uh, as our listeners and we look forward to speaking with you again real soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Estate Tech Insider podcast. The show notes and links are on our website realestatetechinsider.transistor.fm. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And connect with John and Rachel on LinkedIn.